0: And I'm Kate Vlasic. And welcome to our first Netflix series, Emergency Meeting of Generation BSC. We are so excited to get into it today. Um, And we are going to start going episode by episode. So Kate, where are we starting today?
1: Well, obviously, we're starting with episode one, which is, just like the book series, Christy's Great Idea, you know, the one where she has her great idea for the club. Um, she does also come up with Kid Kits in this, ep- this episode. I don't think that was the first book, but I it might be not. misremembering. Yeah. No, so it was definitely so she had books in. She had a few great ideas. Um, but yeah, it's our first episode of the show. We, like we said in our sort of you know, sneak preview spoiler that we were going to be doing this. We are clearly excited. We know you're excited and we're going to be going episode by episode talking about what's the same, what's different, looking at it with a critical eye, looking at fashion, you know, just the sort of the same kind of conversation we have when we talk about one of the books, but here it's a TV show. So
0: let's get started. (laughs) So let's start on a high level. So one of the things we wanted to, to look at with each episode, since um, the series did has adhered really pretty closely to the beginnings of the book, so we have um, watched all the way through. We're gonna because we're talking episode by episode, we're gonna focus on that particular episode, but we can't guarantee that we won't mention something that happens in the future. So, blanket spoiler warning in advance. Um, but one of the things that that we did note right off the bat is that. Um, they basically adapted book by book the first couple of books up towards um, till the end when they got went to to camp at the end of the the season Um, so we thought we would look at the big idea from each book and take a look and decide if they um, kept that big idea for the televisions episode or adapted it and then um, get into the a little bit more of the details what's changed what's Um, modernize what what has kept the same. So let's start with the big idea for Christie's great idea and that is the great idea. I think this episode really um, Kate already mentioned that you know some of the specifics about the ideas have changed a little bit but I think overall my impression was it stuck pretty close to the spirit of the first book if not the plot of the first book. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, it definitely, I said definitely a lot today, apparently. <laughs> um, I mean, it it certainly seems like they've kept, like you said, they kept the spirit of it. They kept the general major themes, but they've streamlined them, I think. I, and I, I think it was sort of fun to see Christy having the great idea here because we get a really fun montage of, um Alicia Silverstone being sort of frantic trying to find a babysitter and because of the updates to technology to today you know it's not just her calling every girl in her phone book it's you know she's trying to get people on their actual phones and no one answers because nobody answers their phone anymore which she says in a very share horowitz way which i (laughs) love um but she's also you know trying to use sort of like an alternative to care.com you know the the stony brook version of that or the babysitter's club universe version of that and she has let her um Membership expires. So she has to pay $80 to get back into this to try to find a babysitter. But because they're professional babysitters, the prices are astronomical. And so it's it's fun to see Christy sort of reacting to that and having it be a much more, you know, big thing. And then she also has the great idea at the same time that she chokes on her pizza, which (laughs) is sort of silly, but also like Definitely a Christy thing, you know, like she has this realization and it, it like overwhelms her because it's such a great idea that she starts choking on her pizza because she can't even like focus on eating properly, which is just really funny to me.
0: I love that so much. I thought it was such a perfect character moment, especially because of the way that she was so excited about her own idea. She could barely be bothered to worry about the fact that she was choking. Like she mm-hmm. was so excited about the club. Um I, I thought, and she's was...
1: immediately fine as soon as her mom yeah. gives her the Heimlich, she's like smiling into the camera because she's so overwhelmed by the great idea.
0: Um, yeah, it's seriously adorable. Um, and I thought this sequence that you highlighted just then with um, Alicia Silverstone as Edie going through, you know, um, trying to find the sitter for David Michael last minute, I thought it did a really, really good job of justifying the series, basically, like mm-hmm. justifying the premise of saying, okay, I, we, we know the immediate question everyone coming into this is having is, how does this make sense in a modern context? Why don't they just call cell phones? But really, th- they have a great point. The, the actual um, mechanics of finding the sitter haven't changed. And mm-hmm. in fact, cell phones have probably made it that much harder because people are much, that much more conditioned to ignore it. Um Right.
1: Well, and Marianne Especially even Jesus. says she's not allowed to answer phone calls from numbers she doesn't know. Like, that's one of the rules of her having a cell phone. So, you know, unless she had Edie's phone number saved, which obviously she would because it's Christie's phone number, like, she wouldn't be able to answer because she wouldn't know the phone number. So, even though she knows this person and has babysat for David Michael, it's a totally different thing than, you know, someone calling your house when you're at home or leaving a message and your parents say, like, hey, this person wants you to babysit, call them back
0: and i think that that um, leads really nicely into one of the things that i appreciate most about the series so far is that um the casting of this show is so incredibly perfect i i mean just on every level there is not has not been a false note for me um and now there are some some conversations to have around Um, representation that we're going to get into a little bit later. There've been some criticisms that we have noted online um, about some of the representation about casting um, around Jesse and Marianne and and color. Um, So we are, we, I don't want to gloss over that, but we'll get to that as we get to the Jesse of it all. Mm -hmm. But what I appreciate so much is that the girls look like seventh grade girls. Um, there's such a tendency in television shows to to age up people, and um, I, I I understand on some level. Like when we're watching a teen drama, you don't actually want to watch 15 year olds sleeping with their teachers or you know accidentally murdering someone or whatever's happening on Riverdale this week. Um, you you need to have adults in those roles so it feels less icky. And I, I really appreciate that they didn't follow that trend and allowed these girls to be actual kids. Um, because I think it makes so much more sense for the series as well, that they would care so much about the babysitting that they're doing. Um, because I I don't know that that's as common of a way for kids to earn money anymore in their teen years.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I don't have kids, so I don't need babysitters, but it definitely seems like with my friends that do have children, um, a lot of times their babysitters are like their teachers from daycare like, adults, like, essentially professional caregivers. And so it's sort of interesting um, looking back, because I know both of us have expressed in the past how much we actually did babysit when we were growing up. So it's it's kind of an interesting twist that this is coming back around. And I, I don't know enough kids that would be of the age to be babysitting to know if that's something that's really happening or... You know how realistic The Babysitters Club actually is today, or if it really is more a focus on sort of "quote unquote" professional babysitters. And touching on your comments about um, the girls actually looking like kids, which uh, co-signed completely. I love it. I think it's um, interesting to compare that with the movie, in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we have both expressed our you know deep love for that movie for for good and for bad. But you know, though the girls playing. The, uh, you know the the characters of the babysitters club they definitely did not look like they were thirteen and again that sort of storyline in the movie that's a little bit icky with um Stacy and I guess Charlotte's cousin Luca who's eighteen and they're going on dates basically and it's like okay but you're supposed to be thirteen not like exactly. sixteen <laughs> so it, it it sort of blurs that line and I really appreciate that. These are actual kids being kids, and they look like they would be excited about babysitting in their neighborhood.
0: You know what? I thought about that Luca plotline immediately, because in this first episode, we're introduced very briefly to Logan. We get to see him. And my very first thought was, oh, what a cute little kid. Mm-hmm. Like, And how refreshing to be watching a show like this and the for the love interest to look like an actual child. Um, in in a good way like he doesn't look Mm -hmm. they don't look like babies I'm afraid now because that's (laughs) such a theme of the things that we're like in we're not trying to infantilize anyone but it's just refreshing to not see 17 and 18 year olds trying to pass as 13 so that when we're talking about first crushes when we're talking about um, some of the appropriate for that age emotional reactions it looks and feels appropriate um, where sometimes it doesn't. in, And I think that that's why sometimes teen shows have to end up going to some of the more ridiculous plot lines because watching, you know, grown people have the kind of problems that actual teenagers do. You're like, whoa, <laughs> this is right. petty and strange. I don't want to watch this.
1: Exactly. Well, and the other thing that's sort of fun is, you know, Charlie and Sam also yes, look like, exactly. you know, 15 and 16 and 17, you know, I I guess they're 14 and 16 now because we're in seventh grade, but you know, they look like real kids and it doesn't seem weird that Stacy would have a crush on Sam spoiler alert. Um, because I mean, I guess that's not a spoiler alert cause it's in the yes. books too, but like they, he doesn't look like he's 20 years old and she looks like she's 13. Like it, it makes sense that she would have a crush on him and, he looks age appropriate and and that he would have a crush back on her and it wouldn't feel weird. You know, it wouldn't feel kind of gross because they're, they're about the same age. They're around each other. They're both kids and you know, they're teenagers and they're having crushes and (laughs) like you do. All
0: right. So those were some of our, our big thoughts on, um, the idea of the episode. I think the only other like big idea thing was, um, we talk a lot uh, in the, in the books about the Danny Tanner moment. And I thought it was kind of funny in this first episode, we got a literal Danny Tanner moment. And yep. yet somehow for me, it did not feel nearly as cheesy as those sometimes do. Um, there was, uh, I think one of the things I appreciate so much about uh, this modernization is the, the edge they allowed Christie to keep. Like mm-hmm. we talk a lot about the fact that the girls are not perfect and they're allowed to be, the brats and they're allowed to be wrong sometimes in the books and how refreshing that is. And I love that they kept that in the book in the, in the show, but gave it a a, a feminist um, down with the patriarchy edge, which I loved. Mm -hmm. And it it just made that scene feel less um, patronizing in a way. She Christy to me felt more like an active participant in it. Um, She was holding her own in a way that Michelle and DJ never felt like they did. I guess. It was
1: an actual conversation between mm-hmm. Edie and Christy, not just Edie sort of saying, and I even wrote down what she says to her I, as part of this conversation. It's like, you're not perfect, sweetie, and neither are any of the people that love you. All you can do is keep showing up and try to do better next time. And this is part of an ongoing conversation between them that like you said, they're both participating in Christie's not just sitting there listening like that line or those, you know, couple sentences that could have been part of a Danny Tanner moment in full house, but it would have been part of, you know, a five minute soliloquy about mm-hmm. not being perfect. And, a, and it, it, it just, it fits so much better and felt much more real here, despite the fact that it definitely felt like a Danny Tanner moment. It, wasn't a Danny Tanner moment because there was more to it and it wasn't just, you know, Edie telling Christy how to be a better person. It was them sort of figuring it out together. And I really appreciated that. Although I did feel, and this is sort of switching topics a little bit. One thing that um, I didn't really love about the updates was um, the way that Edie parents – Christy differently than Sam and Charlie you know it, it when she's having you know she comes home with pizza just like in the show or just like in the book and you know they're like oh no what's the problem and she asks them if one of if somebody can stay home with David Michael the next night because she has clients in and she's trying to land some business and Charlie and Sam are immediately like I have other plans. Like, it's not even, like, a consideration. And Christy's like, well, I was supposed to have a sleepover with Marianne, and I could, you know, I could stay home if you need me to. And, and Edie's very, like, much like, no, go ahead, have your babysitter, or have your sleepover. You know, at least you offered. And it's like, okay, but they should all be offering, you yeah, know, like, just because they're boys. Right. Like, that. if you ultimately decide that they don't have to stay home with David Michael, which... Okay, fine. They they all have other plans. though. why is Christy the only one that feels the need to offer to break her plans with Marianne and stay home, and and it's not even a consideration that Charlie and Sam are like peace out. I'm not like I, I'm doing what I want. And also Charlie's like also I need the car. Yeah, like that. Okay, I, she has excessive. clients. Like it, it just and I, and there are some other instances of it throughout the the first season and. I mean, I can't totally fault it, but I I think, again, like we've said, when we love something, it, it's when we criticize it, it's coming from a place of love. It's how we mm-hmm. wish they had been better. And with all of the, you know, sort of feelings in this one about Christy wanting her mom to feel like their family is enough and she doesn't need anything more and being an independent woman, like driving home that piece is obviously, you know, it's good that she's sort of christy's learning that you can be an independent woman and stand on your own two feet and also have a partner in your life but for Edie to also sort of parent her children differently depending on their you know gender representation is a little a little bit bullshit
0: yeah i i agree and i i, I want to give a benefit of the doubt in that i i know that a large part of that is just the function of the story like christy needs to stay centered so right. they they can't get overly involved and it did feel like a, a really half-assed attempt to call out that, oh, we're treating this differently. Right. Like, on, on the one hand, yes, you get points for acknowledging it, but you you, you kind of don't. <laughs> like, right. just calling it out is not enough anymore. You need exactly. to actually address it. And and I think there were legitimate ways to make it more... Um, I, I, I mean, a legitimate ways to feel less... Um, Gender role and normsy. If mm-hmm. they, you know, had something serious happening, if they had extracurricular, or I stay after school or I have a, a job right. or, you know, th- that felt a little bit more legitimate than just, hey, I'm going to the movies with my friends. I don't feel like it. Christy right. can handle it. Um, but so I agree. But on the flip side, there is some stellar parenting happening in this episode from one Mr. Watson Brewer. Just a round of applause for our man, Watson.
1: Watson is the best, best, best. Like, I I, I don't even have words. But so like, that's, I guess, a change from the book. Watson is referenced in Christie's Great Idea, the book, but he is not at all a presence I don't think, unless I'm remembering. No, misremembering. I, I, I don't know. There,
0: it, even if he was there, but he's very, very
1: exactly. And and this sort of goes back to the last book that we were talking about, Christy and The Walking Disaster. Like we wanted to see that relationship with Watson grow and develop, and we get a good sort of foundation for that in this episode, where there's a lot more interaction. He's you know coming over, bringing dinner. Asking about
0: present in the in the whole conversation. Whereas we even noted in that first book that he felt like an afterthought. Like Edie was talking to the kids without really including him, whereas this time he's really a part of the action. Right. That And that's very true. And you
1: definitely also get the sense, because in the book, it sort of seemed like they knew of Watson, but they didn't actually know him. Here, it feels like he spends a lot of time with them. He's been around. They know him. And he's actively engaging with all of them. In particular, in this one, Christy, or I guess Edie mentions that Christy has started, you know, come up with this idea for the Babysitter's Club. She hasn't fully formed the idea. She hasn't started it officially. But so Watson asked her questions and the way that he engages with her is sort of like directing her to thinking about things that she wouldn't have thought of because she's a 12-year-old girl about actually running a business you know you know what are the 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 hourly rates going to be what are you going to have dues are you going how often are you going to meet what's the plan like he got her sort of on the right track and she obviously doesn't want to engage with him but she wants to prove herself at the same time and at the end of that conversation she sort of has a little bit of a smile on her face like okay this idea is coming together and maybe i don't totally hate this guy cuz he's helping me figure these things out and it it's nice to see the sort of the seeds being planted of watson being this like great parental figure down the line he's you know he's already he's already doing it even though you know they're just you know, they're, they're now, you
0: know, engaged early or yeah. they're
1: in the very early phase and, you know, he's not a solid part of the family yet, but like, you can see that it's going there.
0: And not only that, so that was such a, a, an amazing moment, but I thought it was such a smart choice to really have the growth of the club be as a result of his input and mm-hmm. cheerleading and support. I thought that was a really smart way of having him um, really show up for Christy in a way that, um, makes him feel integral to the plot that that helps bring the other girls involved into it too um it gives it more weight when they are uh admonishing Christy for how she treats Watson both in this episode and and throughout the the mm-hmm. season um because he is more connected like it's it's like you mentioned in the books he's so removed that it wouldn't feel as impactful to have the girls call her Christy to the carpet um where in this way they know him and he's not only doing this for Christy, he's impacting them. He's, he's Mm -hmm. helping their whole group. So, um, I, I loved that. I thought that was really, really smart. Yeah.
1: I I Um, did really love that for sure.
0: So we haven't really talked too much about the other girls yet. So, and everybody gets their own showcase. So we'll get into everybody a little bit in more detail, but I do want to point out that I think one of my favorite moments of the entire episode was the sequence where it was very brief, but they were discussing, um, how they they each approach Instagram or
1: mm-hmm.
0: Stacy was like very on top of it. Marianne's response was, don't you have to be older than we are? Um, Christie's like, oh, I never remember to take pictures unless I'm getting something out of my teeth. And Claudia was above it because she was too cool for school. Social mm-hmm. media rats your brain. And I thought it was such a concise, perfect little 30 second, 60 second way to tell us exactly who each of those girls is both as a character and now the modern version of it. So not just Mm -hmm. reiterating who the character is from the books. Like we obviously recognize all those things. That's very similar to a lot of the things that we were speculating on in our quarantine episodes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just, it was such a perfectly economical way of deploying that information. I just thought it was really beautifully, beautifully done.
1: Yeah, it was great. I really liked that as well. Um, we I I know we can get into this in a later episode, but we have we can't let this episode end without referencing how perfectly updated Janine Kishi is.
0: Yes, she.
1: Uh-huh. I mean she's she's clearly still very smart, very into computers, very into speaking like a walking thesaurus, But she's not just this like nerdy. You know, because, like, if you look at, like, the book covers, she's always wearing, like, a white button down and, like, a plaid skirt and her glasses. And here she's essentially been updated to be, like, a a coder, hacker. Like, she's wearing, you know, like, she's looking – she looks very cool and put together. And it's sort of fun that she has her own fashion sense that's not just, like – i'm dressing like an adult it's like she's very you know she wears a lot of dark clothes she has like cool pants and like fitted shirts and like she's got her whole setup in her room and i just love that obviously janine's gonna be you know a, a coder hacker computer genius to the nth degree because the computers that we have available now are so much more advanced than they were in 1988
0: and I love. I, I think you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said she looks really cool. I think that that's really the difference. Is that, mm-hmm. um, and I think that part of that is just sort of the world that we live in now. I think Janine has always been this cool. I think that the '80s were not ready for Janine's awesomeness, and now in our modern world, we we recognize the power that she has and how and her incredible skill. And um, yeah, we're, we'll get to we'll get more in depth with her later, Definitely. but. Um, yes she is awesome and we would be remiss not to call out the wonderful Mimi as well just so perfect like when we're talking about the spot-on casting I mean top to bottom Alicia Silverstone and we didn't call out the clueless joke earlier we we know everybody (laughs) like we didn't need to talk about it because everybody caught that one um I I think Mark Furstein is the perfect perfect Watson Mm -hmm. because he's so dreamy but he's also like goofy and it's just I can see how like women our age are like yes please but (laughs) young girls are like oh he's sweet I can see why my mom likes him like which is a really tough balance they can they can think he's cute without feeling there being weird sexual energy happening Um, (laughs) right that's that's reserved solely for us (laughs) um (laughs) So yeah, all of that, just lots and lots of good stuff. Mm -hmm. So we could conceivably talk about these forever, but we do want to spend a little bit of time talking about the fashion before we wrap up. So Miss Fashion Maven Kate, what were some of your highlights?
1: So highlights, um, (laughs) here is are the two things that I've already purchased (laughs) because I tracked them down on the internet while I was watching this episode. Um, the cherry sunglasses that Claudia is wearing, I think, in their second meeting, she wears them on top of her head. I'm actually wearing them on top of my head right now because I'm that kind of person. And then also um, the patchwork um, bomber jacket that she wears, mm-hmm. actually, that's in the, the stills that were released, the sort of individual shots of each of the girls. It's She's that jacket when she's wearing the yellow um, jumpsuit with the gold platform combat boots, which like... That whole outfit, obviously, I know we sort of touched on that when we were talking about the initial release of information about the series. Um, it's in the episode. It's still perfect.
0: But I was yes, just going to say, I, that, that is that jacket, the highlight for me.
1: Yeah, and those gold gold platform combat boots, like I need those. There's literally only one pair available on the internet for sale right now, and they are a size 7, and I am a size 9, so that is not going to work. I'm still on the hunt. I'm going to find them.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. Also. That was perfection to me. I really love Stacey's sweater too. The one with the eyes. I thought that was so cute.
1: Yeah. It's super cute. It also is like $400, which sort of is fun because like Stacey's family is clearly very wealthy. She grew up in the city. So like it makes sense that her clothes are more expensive and I, I, I mean I love the sweatshirt regardless, but like I when I found when it was sort of on um, worn on TV and it was like, Oh wow, that's a very expensive sweatshirt um, it it also sort of was like, Oh no, that makes perfect sense that Stacy would be wearing, you know, a designer sweatshirt that has eyes Agreed. all over it.
0: I think that um, we would get in, we'll get into some of that more economics of stuff later as we go along. There, there'll there be some time for us to talk about that because I have thoughts on, on some of that as well.
1: Definitely. Um, we can't let the episode pass without referencing the fact that Christy wears a gray sweatsuit with a gray t shirt underneath, which mm-hmm. is just like so Christy. She's going for a run to, to, um, spy on Marianne babysitting for Watson at the first job that the Babysitters Club got. And while, yes, it is exercise wear and she's going to exercise, it's like the fact that she doesn't even have any like contrast in the color. It's just like, this is my, you know, economical choice for the simplest, most basic, normal exercise wear. Like, she's not caring about fashion. She doesn't care about how she looks. like, what? I'm wearing a sweatsuit. Like, this is what I'm wearing to go run.
0: And I loved the 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 fact that she was wearing the school shirt. That just felt like mm-hmm. such a perfect choice. Like, yeah, whatever. Like, I'm not thinking about what shirts. I've got a shirt that they gave us at school. I'm going to throw that yep. on.
1: And well, and there's a multiple times. Yeah, I think there's multiple times in the episode where Christy is wearing Sony Brick Middle School shirts, and sort of generally over the series, she definitely feels like she repeats clothes more than some of the Agreed. other girls. Which I think is again. Maybe we'll get into the the costuming aspects of this in in a little more detail once we see more of each of the girls, but um I think that the costume designer here did a really good job of sort of making the girls seem like real people and I, I think we I don't know if we've talked about it on the on this, but we've talked about it in general, and I know on um the boiler room podcast they talked a lot about the fact that the the characters on that show had a closet, and yes. so you'd see pieces from other episodes getting mixed and matched. And I feel like that is something that this costume designer for all I know, it's the same person. It would not surprise me. It feels like she or he did the same thing here because over the course of the season, there are definitely things that are reworn and worn in different ways. And Mm -hmm. I, I love that because you know, watching shows like, you know, gossip girl or whatever, and they wear a different outfit every single time you see them. It's like, okay, yes, those are very rich children, but like, yes, People rewear things. Everybody re-wears things. So I, I love when a character shows up in something again.
0: Especially a character like Christy, who that that makes sense for her character. She would mm-hmm. not have new clothes all the time. She would not be thinking about it on that level. Like, I, obviously you could say, Stacy never repeats something. That would not surprise me at all. That makes sense for that character. But yeah, I, I think, uh, like we talked about, all the little character choices um, were so perfect I mean the level of detail overall Mm -hmm. on this show in in lots of different ways that we're gonna point out um one of the things that someone pointed out online that then I was then paying attention to is the number of times you can see the street names and they're correct Mm -hmm. like in line with where they would be in the book and it just that's this kind of stuff that just oh warms my heart I just love it so much so yeah
1: the production design all the like behind the scenes creativity you can tell that the people that made this love it as much as we love it because they put that much thought into
0: it. And that just makes me happy. And I think that this first episode was such a perfect tone setter. I thought Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't talk too much about the plot, but um, Kate mentioned it was streamlined. So the big difference plot wise was that in the first book, if you remember there, the big uh, wacky situation was the, there was a, dogs instead of kids that they were babysitting um and and in this one instead the conflict really got to be around the girls and about about personality and really got to like we said let christy be prickly and screw Mm -hmm. up and be proud and um and and that is they you know they end the episode making up but that doesn't go away that's still Mm -hmm. who who, her character is so we're going to get to continue to talk about that throughout the series and, and i'm excited about that too yep definitely agree on all points um any final thoughts before we wrap it up with this week's up? um i don't think so i i mean i i think
1: one last thing to touch on and it sort of ends the episode christy has to write that essay for yes. her teacher because she's talking that's from the the book also um but we end the episode with her reading it sort of like a voiceover and it felt very breakfast club to me and I just loved it. And I, I paused it a million times so I could write down the whole thing. Cause I feel like it needs to be shared because it really sort of drives home. Like you were saying the the feminist down with the Agreed. patriarchy kind of feelings about this series.
0: This was one of my favorite updates to the whole thing was the way that they took this um, very integral part of, of the introduction of Christie's character and flipped it so that it, it doesn't feel punitive. It doesn't feel like as many times as they refer to her as bossy in this episode, which will, again, you guys know my feelings on the word bossy. Um, it also didn't feel, it, it did still feel negative, but she felt like she owned it more than she does. In yeah. So um, yes, I, I think that's a perfect way to close out is by hearing her speech.
1: Okay. Well, Since we're not technologically savvy enough, I will just read it. (laughs) I'm sure we could copy it somehow. But okay. What is the meaning of decorum? Well, I know what it's supposed to mean. Raising my hand, waiting to be called on, being non-disruptive, all things that would probably make your life easier. But to me, decorum means other things, like knowing when you're wrong, giving people the benefit of the doubt, and most of all, being a good friend. All in order to create a more perfect union where all people are created equal. Although it may not be your definition of decorum, it is mine. Signed Kristen Amanda Thomas, president of the babysitter's club. Oh, I just like, love it's so perfect. I'm just
0: perfect. Start to cry again. <sighs> All right. Well, that will wrap it up for us this week. Um, don't forget to um, rate and subscribe because like we said, we're going to be dropping these special bonus episodes at least weekly. We may have some other special surprises for you along the way and you don't want to miss anything. Um, Kate, where else can they make sure we don't miss any new and exciting updates?
1: Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Generation BSC. Or if you have thoughts you want to get out via email, you can email us at GenerationBSC at gmail.com. So with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this emergency meeting episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned. Say hello to your friend.